CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Monday's edition of To Every Man and Answer as we start off this brand new week. And again, want to just encourage you that as we get together every weekday afternoon at this time live to answer questions from all of you, we just want to be sure that you're encouraged. And that's one of the greatest things that I believe any Christian can do for another Christian is to encourage them and to let them know their love. Jesus said, this is my commandment that I give to you, that you love one another. And I can't think of a better way to love each other than to encourage each other. And so we just want to just take this time aside every weekday afternoon for about an hour and just answer questions about the Bible from the Bible. I know many of you, as you share your faith, people ask you questions and you want to give them a good answer. And so we want to make sure you give them a good answer too. And oftentimes when we read our Bible, we come across something we don't understand. We look at the world, we hear things in church. Hey, listen, that's why we're here for you. Each and every weekday afternoon, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. You can be part of the program today. Got some lines open, as a matter of fact, so you're sure to get on. Joining me today, special guest and featured CSN speaker comes on before to every man and answer. John Randall uh, comes on about um, one hour before to every man and answer. He's the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, South Orange County, uh, down by... uh, Let's see, San Clemente, I guess it is. Down that way, welcome, John. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. Great to be here with you. And once again, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. It's it's a real blessing that you've uh, uh, come on board the daily programming here of CSN. And uh, as I was telling you earlier, I listened to your program. I just thought it was excellent. And uh, comes on right before Mike Fabares, who we just left as we started to every man and answer. And so uh, brand new show and... Uh, Brand new time for a brand new year. And so looking forward, John, what are you teaching on Sunday morning? Well, Sunday morning, Mike, we are just at the end of the book of Romans, and we will be finishing up this Sunday. And then on Wednesday nights, we are traveling through the Old Testament. We are in the book of Exodus. So New Testament as well as Old Testament has been a great time and uh, really enjoying what God's doing through the teaching of the Word. Amen. And so we just want to just encourage you to be about your daddy's business. And let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have a, we have uh, quite a few callers here. Let's go to Dominique in Hawaii. Aloha. I love you. Bye. Hi. Um, my question is, where did the saints go after, or did they stay on the planet in Matthew 27, 52, 53? Okay. Your thoughts. Well, the Bible says there in that passage of scripture, it says that after the resurrection of Jesus, that the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, which is another way of saying they had died, they were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, where did they go? It says they went into the holy city and appeared to many. (laughs) So we know for one thing, they went into the holy city, they went into Jerusalem and they appeared, but eventually they would die again. And so I, I don't think they, it wasn't, they didn't say they went to heaven after that. It says they were raised and it was miraculous and they went in and appeared and, 
And the Bible doesn't say, Mike, what happened to them after that, but I think it's safe to assume that they passed away and uh, after that. Yeah, and it was the real demonstration, as a matter of fact, that Jesus, in fact, does and did have power over death. A lot of people make a lot of claims, but Jesus said uh, to Martha at Jesus's, um, when Jesus went to Lazarus' uh, um, funeral, you might say, but right before he raised him from the dead, um, uh, he said, he that believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And what's interesting is, yeah, this this tent will eventually peel off, but our spirit goes and it lives with the Lord forever. But when you can bring back a physical body from death, whether it was Jarius's daughter or the woman's uh, only son that she had, who was a widow, or whether you look at these that came back at the resurrection of Christ, Jesus, in fact, did demonstrate that he had power over death and even over death of a physical body, which is pretty amazing. No one ever has made those claims before. No one has ever been able to uh, replicate those. That's something only God can do. I hope that helps, Dominique. It does. I have a follow-up question to that. Sure. So if you, well, not you specifically, but if you think that um, demons can stay on the planet and they don't die, like somehow they're still here forever and ever, um, is it possible that the saints, didn't die and that they're still here as well doing good things? No, the Bible tells us the saints are people that, that died. We, we look at James, uh, the first, uh, first apostle that died as an example. Then uh, because it, it pleased Herod, he arrested Peter and he was going to execute him the night before his execution was scheduled. Uh, the angels uh, came and got him. And and uh, because he had got out before, Herod really uh, anted up. He had four, uh, four uh, groups of soldiers um, keeping Peter and then, and then had him in chains as well and behind bars. And, he, and the angel got him out. The point is this, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Demons are fallen spirits, and some are so fierce in that rebellion against the Lord, they're chained up uh, and, and waiting the great white throne judgment. We know that some are going to be released during the tribulation period to wreak havoc on the earth, but they're spirits. Now, what we find with those that Jesus raised from the dead, their physical bodies uh, um, eventually died again. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But when we deal with demons, we're dealing with these supernatural creatures that rebelled against God, and they're disembodied spirits looking for someone to move into so they can carry out their dastardly deeds. Your thoughts, John? Well, I also want to say, uh, Dominique, that in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, It is appointed unto men once to die, and then after that, the judgment. So um, it's appointed unto us once to die, and then comes the judgment. So no, the saints are not uh, 
uh, working uh, today. Uh, the saints, we, we are the saints. If you if the, if you take uh, what the Bible says, Paul writes to the churches and he says, "I'm writing to you, saints." It's interesting, Mike. We we are saints, not Saint John or Saint Mike, but we are just another name for believers in Christ. And God's doing His work through us, which is exciting uh, to see. So we don't have supernatural hybrids living on this planet. Right. There are people, human beings, that are demon-possessed. Mm -hmm. I believe when that human being dies that that demon is in, it moves on to look for somebody else to move into. This is why I believe that some of the things that we see, not reincarnation, but where a person who is demon-possessed can speak with such accuracy of something that happened a couple of hundred years ago. No, it's not reincarnation. It's just a, 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 a demon that's moved on to another body. And we know they are real. We know they're powerful. It's possible to have more than one. Jesus spoke of this all the way through the Gospels. They can cause massive um, uh, medical problems in a human being. They can cause abnormal behavior. They can cause suicide. I believe that these forces, and the reason why is, again, I don't believe when God created human beings, it bothered anybody initially. But then when God revealed that he was going to elevate this new creation called human beings above the angels, I believe this is where we find in Isaiah 14, where Satan, pride filled his heart, and whatever it was that caused a third of the stars, a third of the angelic hosts to align themselves with Satan was so powerful that when God removed them from heaven, their access, though not completely removed, but we know that their position has been removed. And some, in fact, the Bible says, have been uh, placed in chains waiting uh, the great judgment. We know that some roam this earth uh, looking for somebody to move into. We remember the story of Book of Luke, the man of Gadara, and uh, all the demons he had. They went into the herd of swine, and the swine killed themselves. And so when we understand these, these issues that uh, we are living in a spiritual Plato who is not a, um, uh, a believer in God in any way, 800 years before Christ said, we live in the shadow of reality. The real world is in the unseen realm. Even people that are not believers in God know there's more going on in this world that meets the eye. And just because it's supernatural, just because there may be a miracle, doesn't mean that it's from God. The Bible says that the Antichrist is going to woo the crowds with supernatural signs and wonders, lying signs and wonders, the Bible says. So we have to be careful when we, when we look at these things. But yes, they are real. Yes, they're for the demise of human beings. And I, I believe whenever the devil and his demons look at human beings— just kill them. And whenever you find a person that's been dabbling in sin, in the occult, in demon possession, their lives aren't the better for it. They're wrecks. They're, they're, they're dying. And so I believe that, again, this is part of the great deception that Satan has, has placed uh, on people in the world. Uh, the devil isn't all that bad, and God isn't all that good. It's just kind of how you look at it. No, there are real demons. There are real demons behind false religions and behind idols. I believe there's real demons oftentimes behind curses 
and things, these kind of things. But what is always important to remember, greater is he that's in us, speaking of Jesus Christ, than he that's in the world. I hope that helps. Um, that doesn't. You actually confuse me more because the saints that I'm speaking of did die, and they got raised, so they can't die twice, correct? Well, those were those. Now, now we're very quickly here. We do find that it's appointed to man once to die. After that, the judgment, except where God has it. Now, you got to remember, those that came back, they were not spirits. They had real bodies. They were not. Uh, they were not like a like a demonic spirit. They had a real body. They came back to life. Everybody knew who they were. They didn't. They didn't have a supernatural body that could pass through walls and and. Um, vanish out of their sight like Jesus did. Certainly, again, going back to um, uh, Jarius's daughter, where the little girl had died, and Jesus said, a daughter, arise, and the Bible says her spirit returned to her. It didn't say it woke up inside of her. It didn't say that she came back as a supernatural being. It's just very clear that, that God didn't quite let her go yet. Any last thoughts, John? Well, I just think, just Dominique, just real quickly, that the saints, these were dead, these were dead people. Jesus rose from the dead. And one of the, you could say, miracles that followed his own resurrection is he allowed some who had died to be raised back to life so that people could see he had power over death. The Bible doesn't say that they continue to live on, but they, they died after that. But that was just a manifestation of the power that Jesus had. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And so following his resurrection, one of the things that accompanied that miracle is he allowed some to rise on that day and and they were seen. And it was just another testament of the fact that Jesus has power over death. And I believe, again, this is so everybody without a doubt would know that, in fact, Jesus's claims and promises are true. So I, I hope that helps some, dear. That does. That does. I like that. Good. Well, listen, Dominique, stay in line. I'll send you out some books some DVDs and uh, all that. I think you'll really enjoy it. Great to share with your friends. And uh, what island are you on? Uh, I'm on the big island. Which side? Hilo, Kona? Um, I'm actually, we live down in Ocean View, so right down at the very bottom. Wow. Well, that's great to hear. The signal gets down that way. So, well, wonderful there. God bless you. Stay in line. We'll get those out to you. And, um, and uh, happy new year to you. Let's go to Linda, Washington. Hi, and welcome. Hello. Okay, the Bible says that we're going to um, go up and see Jesus in the blink of an eye. Yep. And then another place it says the dead will rise first. So do we get to see the dead rise? No, the Bible says in a moment, twinkling of an eye, Paul says and t- tells us in both uh, 1 Corinthians 15, <clears throat> Thessalonians 4, moment twinkling of an eye will be changed. The dead in Christ rise first. They're coming up. They got their new bodies. God has given them. Now, again, anybody that's died in faith right now is up there with the Lord. They're not missing anything. It's a spiritual world. But when we come back to rule and reign on this earth, and Jesus demonstrated the necessity for that body when he rose from the dead, demonstrating it to the disciples, Thomas, put your fingers in the holes in my hand. Thrust your hand into my side, Jesus said. He was demonstrating that we need a body if we're going to rule and reign on this earth. We're not going to rule and reign on this earth as a spirit. 
We need a body. In fact, Jesus even said that. Why, why has fear filled your hearts? For a ghost does not have a body. Jesus was demonstrating to them, do you have anything to eat, he said. So we're going to be on this earth ruling and reigning with Christ. I believe this is why we get these bodies right before the thousand-year reign of Christ. John, your thoughts? Well, you know, when Paul wrote that letter to the Thessalonians, Linda, he was writing because they were concerned over the fact that their loved ones had died. And they thought, oh, no, they missed the rapture. And so Paul writes knowing that that was their mentality and what they were thinking. And and they were sorrowing, he said, as those who have no hope. And he reminded them, hey, don't be discouraged. The dead in Christ, they rise first. They do rise first. They are with the Lord. And there's coming a day when we're going to be reunited with them, reunited with the Lord. We're going to have glorified bodies. And that's going to be at the rapture of the church. And what a day that's going to be. The Bible says, as Mike mentioned, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the trumpet is going to sound and we're going to be caught up to be with the Lord. And we're going to, what a reunion that's going to be. And listen, I think this is something that's really important that we should be stressing from the pulpits within the churches, the rapture of the church. It is such, it's a motivation to live for the glory of God. If you know that Jesus could come back at any time, and by the way, he could, then you want to be ready, rapture ready, as we like to say, because he's coming again. And so it's exciting. Can't wait for that day, Mike. Paul says to encourage one another with these words. If the rapture is not true, then Paul was lying to us. He's not talking about the second coming. The second coming comes at the end of the the seven-year tribulation period where mere survival is all man is going to be able to eke out Jesus said in Matthew 24, as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Speaking of the rapture, they were eating, drinking, marrying, given in marriage. They didn't know they were sitting on the very edge of a world judgment called the flood. Right now, we see a world eating, drinking, marrying, given in marriage. They don't realize they're right on the very edge of a world judgment, this time called the tribulation period. Now, understanding that God is the one that allowed the flood to come. The flood come, destroyed the wicked people. I've had people, again, and this is the, the illogical logic of, of, of the, those, those that try to discount the Bible. Well, how could a God of love or how could a God of concern allow the wickedness on the world to continue? So God sends a flood. God sends the children of Israel into Canaan to wipe out these pagan practices of frying their babies and the arms of Moloch. And when he does bring that judgment, well, now God's a murderer. He's a murderer now. See, they want their cake and eat it too. You can't do it. And so when we understand then how God works, that this um, judgment called the tribulation is almost upon us. It's considerably different. You don't, you, you don't find in Revelation, Jesus talking about it in Matthew chapter 24, of eating, drinking, marrying, given in marriage. No, he said this, unless those days were shortened, there would be no one left alive. That's what Jesus said. Man will absolutely destroy himself off the planet. It isn't a time of partying and marriage and given in marriage and carefree living. No, when you find Jesus coming back at the second coming of Christ, this is where he breaks up this battle of Armageddon in the Valley of Megiddo. 
Everybody's fighting each other until they see Jesus, and they all turn and decide to fight against the Lord. No, it's not, a, it's not the same thing. And so that's why I believe, again, the rapture is for us today. Encourage one another with these words. Well, I go to church that they don't believe in the rapture. Then stop going to that church. I hate to say it, but Paul said to encourage one another with these words. You can't encourage one another with something they don't believe exists. Hope that helps. Yeah, our our pastor teaches that every Sunday that, you know, well, I'll maybe see you next week. Maybe not. You know, he said it. it's coming. It's coming soon. Then I re- read in there that the dead will rise first, and I kind of misinterpreted it. I thought maybe all of the people that are buried right now that are, are uh, Christians— all of them will raise first, and then we will go. Well, that in a way is true. They will rise first. They get a glorified body. Their spirit's reunited with a brand new body that doesn't break down, non-corruptible, no sin nature. They're coming up. Our bodies are transformed, moment twinkling of an eye, and we all go up together. I think it's pretty cool, really, when you stop to think about it. Finally, a body that doesn't get old. You know, it's it's really, I, I've shared this before, it's really sad when you when you realize you're the same age as old people, and that's that that can get to you, you know? So, um, Linda, I hope that helps, dear. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books, DVDs, and the movie Jesus as well. Happy New Year to you. Let's go to Bruce, Northern Michigan. Hi, welcome. Hi, yes. Um, thank you. Uh, I was in uh, Sunday school yesterday. And um, we got off topic, and a couple of folks started talking about the, the TV program, The Chosen, and um, they were speaking about it in pretty glowing terms. And um, our pastor was there, and um, he apparently, because I've heard you guys, you know, critique the the the, sh- the show before, and I've kind of forgotten a few things that you were saying about it. And I was wondering if you could repeat back a few of those things that we need to be careful and, and cautioned on, on on the show that chosen, so I can hopefully perhaps be a, a help and encouragement to people there. Yeah, I mean, is it better than watching uh, the Symptoms? Simpsons? Yeah, probably by a long way. But here's the problem: only ten percent of the chosen is Bible; everything else is made up. Now, we've got to be careful about this because that can be another gospel. Now, for somebody that's a seasoned Christian that knows God's Word really well, you're not going to be swayed by a lot of these 90% of non-biblical ingredients in the chosen. Like where the disciples, uh, Jesus comes to the disciples and asks the disciples for advice. Never happened. Or as an example, in episode 8, series 3, um, it's taken, uh, Jesus makes the comment that says, I am the law of Moses. That is not ever anything Jesus said. And as a matter of fact, that's found in the Book of Mormon. Um, 3 Nephi 15.9, where in that Book of Mormon, Jesus said, he is the law. Jesus is not the law, friends. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. All the righteous requirements that the Father required to be righteous, Jesus fulfilled. In fact, in John 12, he says, I 
followed my father's commandments. Now you follow mine. And my commandment is that you love one another. And so when we understand that 10% is all you're getting, well, this is another gospel. I'm not worried about the 10% in the chosen. I'm concerned about the 90% that is non-biblical, that people then believe is biblical because they won't read their Bibles. They don't oftentimes go to church. And so they can be slipped a, a fallacy believing that this is what really happened. And it didn't. I believe, as Paul says, beware of those preaching another gospel. Well, another gospel is that which has been changed from the original gospel. And when 90% of the chosen is another gospel, friends, there's issues here. I am shocked beyond all comprehension at the church at large that thinks something that is 90% non-biblical is great. Your thoughts, John? Well, I do think if you're going to watch that particular series that um, you watch the um, – they actually do something before the, the show opens. They give an explanation as to what it is that they're – how they came to write the particular script. Also, at the end of every episode, they also kind of the, – they break down and ask questions of how they came to these conclusions. You're right, Mike. It's not 100 percent biblical, obviously. Um, it's not word for word. I, I think they're just looking at it. Thinking in looking at scripture, what would it have been like for the disciples? And so they kind of write in what is there. It's not necessarily what happened. And so you have to be careful of that. But it's almost like a perspective um, for, from our, our vantage point. What, what would happen if the disciples, if Jesus told them to go out and heal people? What do you think they went through? What do you think you would go through? And that's kind of how they creatively write the story and it draws you in. And But I think with everything that you watch today, we need to be discerning and the chosen would be uh, no exception to that. Yeah, and and again, when Jesus said, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, um, I believe that's really important. And then when you have disciples out healing people that there's no biblical record of, of what they were doing, and all of a sudden people begin to believe that is the way it happened, friends, that can be pretty, pretty skewed. You see, the invisible Holy Spirit is what inspired the Bible to be written. And we don't, we don't find this uh, going beyond. And again, that's why I believe uh, Paul was so emphatic on, on, on somebody coming and preaching another gospel to you. Another gospel filled with things that didn't necessarily happen. And then because people don't know their Bible, they, they haven't handled enough real $20 bills to be able to spot a fake counterfeit 20 You can begin to believe that, try to spend it. Not good. Hope that helps. Again, like I say, probably better than a lot of the, uh, uh, well, probably way better than a lot of the sitcoms on TV. But again, it can be, it can be dicey. I hope that helps. Bruce, stay online. We'll send you out books, DVDs. We'll have more right after this. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. 
MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 29 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. This Sanctity of Life Month, we honor the over 63 million babies whose lives have been tragically ended through abortion since Roe. Sadly, with the abortion pill accounting for over 50% of all abortions, babies' lives are at even greater risk. But in the midst of this darkness, there is a light that shines. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies Babies from abortion and is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. Preborn shares babies' heartbeats and the gospel of Jesus Christ to help moms choose life for their baby and for their soul. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax-deductible. Your love can save a life. Welcome you back to part two of To Every Man and Answer here on this Monday afternoon with John Randall, Orange County, Southern Orange County, down by uh, down by San Clemente. And, uh, you know, John, uh, I guess you guys have been getting pounded by the rain. It's true. We've had a, a lot of rain. You know, we've needed it. Um, and so and, and there's a storm on on the horizon even now. <laughs> They're backed up. They're backed up like freeway cars at five o'clock on the Santa Ana freeway. The storm's all wanting to come in, you know, um, you know, snow. John, go, finishing up on our last call. You know, I, I want to be careful that I don't discourage people, but you have to watch this as um, like you would Seinfeld. I mean, uh, it is not, like I say, probably 90% is not biblical. And to make that 90% biblical is a sin. I, I believe that that's another gospel. And we need to be careful of that. Well, what would it have been like if God would have sent us out? Well, you know, I kind of, yeah, it's kind of interesting conjecture, but it's not gospel. And the problem today is I find people are so willing to believe so many things that aren't in the Bible, believing it is. Well, you know what the Bible says, God helps those that help themselves. There's no verse in the Bible like that. In fact, I have found that God helps those that can't help themselves. Well, you know that Bible verse, cleanliness is next to godliness, you know. Not in the Bible, sorry, all made up. People believe stuff that's not in the Bible. And this is where the problems come from. Now, there's a lot of different sources for non-biblical input into a Christian's life. It can come through the words, songs on the radio, Christian or non-Christian sometimes. It can come through television. It can come through our friends. It can come through newspapers and printed material. 
But the problem is when we don't know God's word, we have no base standard that we can compare anything to. And so then anything becomes believable. And oh yeah, well, I I watched that on The Chosen and and, uh, yeah, that's the way it was. No, not necessarily. In fact, it could be completely the opposite. We don't know. And we've always used a, 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 a thought here on CSN Chuck Smith taught it for years, where the Bible's silent, be silent. But not for these guys. No, in fact, the silence is is a very springboard to put whatever you want in there. Your thoughts, John? Yeah, I think there is the need for discernment, you know, and this could take us a whole nother direction by way of questioning, but how many Christians today don't have a problem sitting down in front of rated R movies? How many Christians today don't mind, you know, watching other things that are definitely uh, mapped out in the Bible and they don't mind seeing it? I mean, there's this whole other side of this this concern and question that sometimes comes up and um, that I think it's important for us to consider what we put in front of our eyes. You know, Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. I don't want to sin against God. I want to look at a, something impure. And there's a lot of impurity out there. You know, the chosen, again, I think, I think the Bible says, let every man be convinced in his own mind. You got to be discerning. You, you need to know your Bible and you need to know from what perspective they're coming. Um, you know, you could watch the passion and the passion has some things in there that yeah. weren't exactly, well, I don't know about that. You know, uh, there's some other things that, wow, that was something. And, and I think we, we have to be discerning in the days that we're living. And, and I think if you, if you read your Bible, um, you're going to be able to discern. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Anybody that would watch the chosen, what I would suggest, uh, whatever particular part of the Bible they're exemplifying, I would go aside and read what the Bible really says about that to clarify where the writers took, our, uh, you know, artistic freedom that maybe wasn't in the Bible. And we find this uh, pretty universally. Again, um, you know, we have no trouble with people that come to our door preaching another gospel, but we have no trouble watching watching a program that's only 90 or 10% biblically accurate. So uh, like I say, we just need to be careful on how we perceive these things because, well, everybody's watching it. The whole Christian world has gone wild. <sighs> doesn't mean a thing. It doesn't mean a thing. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus said that. I know Jesus is not much of an authority anymore in the church. But he should be. And we should listen to what he says. The Bible says there'll be a famine in the last days, not for food, not for water, but for the Word of God. And that's what I believe we're seeing. We are substituting God's Word for so many other things. Maybe this is just another one of the things that we can add to uh, pastors being life coaches now, or um, motivational speaking on Sunday morning, you can do it! Well, if you really study the scripture, you'll find you can't do it. In fact, without Christ, you can do nothing, Jesus said. Without me, you can do nothing. You see, what we're being sold today in the name of Christ in church on Sunday morning with with the beautiful worship songs and everything, I believe for a lot is a very, 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 if not completely apostate, watered-down message of what the real truth of God's Word is. 
Again, I shared this last week. There was a song years ago called She's Come Undone. And one of the lines in there, now this is way back in the late 60s. She's Come Undone. Um, Some of you remember that if you're a little bit older. But one of the lyrics were, too many churches, but not enough truth to find. Wow. Sound familiar? Well, see, what are we replacing truth for? And this is why. Isn't God's Word exciting enough? Well, if you don't have the Holy Spirit causing it to come alive when you're hearing it, yeah, it's going to read like a phone book. But the thing is, God's Word is God's Word. And we have to be very careful, whether it comes through our TV, well-acclaimed programs, whatever it might be, to supplant God's Word. And I believe that there is a real, real movement of the underworld to divert people from the truth of God's Word. And that's why we have to stand for it more than anything else and more than, I believe, any other time. And so this is why I believe the days we're in are so, so important. So I I just wanted to pick that back up because, like I say, yeah, is it better than Bart? Yeah, listen to people cuss and swear. Well, probably shouldn't watch that either. But the problem is, is that we just have to be discerning. Let's go to Nick in Massachusetts. Hi, welcome. Uh, Good evening. Thank you for taking my call. Hi. I had a question about uh, Revelation 21.8. I was wondering if you could clarify that, especially the part where it says, all liars will find their place in hell. Uh, When I was younger, I had had a problem with pathological lying. Uh, I came to Christ some years ago. And I found it reoccurring in my life, but trying not to do that. Well, you know, Nick, we all have been saved from something. Some sins are more prominent in an individual than other sins are, which will be more prominent in another individual than in your life. Paul had a problem. Yes, formerly Saul, he was pathologically a Christian killer. But God changed his life. Now, again, I believe that any of us can go back. Paul, uh, Peter, as an example, had a real problem with what people thought of him. Jesus said, before the cock crows twice, you'll deny you know me three times. And and we find that Peter, as as the cock crowed the second time, was cut to the heart. He went out and wept bitterly. But we find later on, Paul the apostle catches up with Peter because Peter refused to eat with the Gentiles for fear of what the Jews would say. I believe that there are sins in our life, in this old body of ours, that we all have to especially watch. For many people that never had a problem with alcohol, you can walk into a room, everybody drinking, there's not a single temptation there to drink. But if you had a problem in another area of your life, you want to stay out of those places because it can hurt you. You see, we have to wrestle with this old sin nature, Paul tells us, because if we don't, it can overtake us. What wins in our life is what we feed. You feed the Spirit, you're going to reap the Spirit. You feed the flesh, you're going to reap the flesh. There's certain places where it just seems the flesh has an advantage. You don't go into a bar uh, to get a Coke if you're an alcoholic. See, we have to be smart with our life. Your thoughts, you know, Nick, I've got great news for you because the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 and 9, it says, But if we walk in the light 
as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. And if we say that we have no sin, well, then we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Nick, the fact that you came on the line today Amen. and said, I had a problem with it at one time and I'm still battling it and I'm fighting against it. Listen, if the spirit of God wasn't working in your life at this moment, brother, you wouldn't be fighting it. You wouldn't care about it. That passage of scripture in Revelation 21 verse 8 that talks about liars and sexually immoral who end up in that place of torment. They're people that they don't think twice about what they're doing. The fact that there is a battle, a struggle that you're in tells me that the spirit of God is working in your life. You are forgiven. God has cleansed you. You keep fighting that good fight. You use the truth of the word of God. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And when you're free, you're free indeed. Amen. So don't let the devil throw your past in your face. That's one of uh, the devil's greatest, uh, I think, tools. Mm is is uh um uh just just causing us to want to throw our hands up because we see what what we were without him and again remember your sins are forgiven and the bible says in first john if we sin we have an advocate with the father which is christ jesus so if we sin god i'm sorry i make it right with whoever i might have lied to or ripped off or whatever it was and then we go on um, but don't let the past beat you up, Nick. Don't let the devil say, well, this is what you were 30 years ago or 50 years ago. Hey, listen, discouragement is the devil's number one tool, and he'll always use it over any other tool that he's got. Hope that helps. Thank you so much. It does. Nick, stay in I send you out some books, some DVDs, and the movie Jesus. Oh, watch that. I think it'll really bless you. Uh, it's really good, and I'll, we'll get that out to you. So stay in line. We'll get those to you. Happy New Year to you. Let's go to Jack, Reno, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Jack, Hello. hi. How, how can we help? Hey, I love you guys' show. I love this station. Uh, what I'd like to know is in Genesis, uh, everybody talks about mankind as being part of the creation. Mm-hmm. But the way I read that, that was hands-on. God made us uh, by his own hands. And uh, that that throws me a little bit. Well, of course, God created Adam and Eve. Everything that came after Adam and Eve and the original creation were created in their own likeness. This is what we call DNA today. Uh, we know that there is no mutations. Now, there's always going to be, uh, uh, maybe I should say there's no transmutations, there's always going to be big horses and small horses and big dogs and small dogs. Those are mutations. Transmutations where a dog becomes a cat or a, a horse becomes a giraffe. There's nothing like that. And the DNA locks that out from happening. And only God could design that something so absolutely fabulous to cause those problems from happening. Uh, and, and so when we look at creation concerning human beings, um, Adam and Eve uh, begat Cain and Abel and Seth and many daughters and sons and everything else. Uh, uh, and so we understand that this is how God made everything. Eve's name means mother of all living. Uh, and so your thoughts. 
Well, you know, the Bible does say there in Genesis chapter 2 that the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord was, as you said, Mike, a part of that creation there, forming man, breathing into him, Jack, uh, as as you mentioned. But then you come to later on in the scriptures, and you know something? The Lord still has involvement in our design. In fact, the psalmist declared in Psalm 139, verse 13, concerning the Lord, he said, for you formed my inward parts and you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. And my frame, he said, wasn't hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. And your eyes saw my substance as being unformed. And in your book, all they are all written, the days fashioned for me when there was yet none of them. Mike, what an amazing thing. Amen. And Jack, for you to know tonight and for those listening, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has been uniquely involved in creating us and making us who he's called us to be. And there is purpose for our existence. He made us, he knew us, Mike, before anybody else did. I'm so grateful for that. Amen. I hope that answers it for you. I love that. Thank you. Well, Jack, stay online. We'll send you out some books, DVDs, the new movie, Jesus, that we're offering everybody, and we'll get those out to you, okay? Thank you very much. Jack, God bless you. Happy New Year to you, and let's go to Destiny, California. Hi, welcome. Hello? Hi, how may we help? Um, so, I have a question about, okay, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a junior doctor, and I was wondering... How can I prevent um, science, uh, the medical field, and school and stuff from hindering my faith? Instead, how can I uh, use that to help my faith and to help others grow their faith? Well, that's a good question because, again, the Bible has the answers in it. You know, it's funny. Life is in the blood, the Bible says. But yet, George Washington, they bled him to death. They were called barbers in those days. And rather than understanding life was in the blood, like the Bible says, uh, they thought they were bleeding out the bad stuff. Well, they were bleeding out his life and killed him. Well, this is one of the great problems that we find down through the history of ages. God and the Bible is not anti-science. And when we really understand a better picture, now, of course, the Bible is explaining to, uh, to everyone that God was going to send a savior to redeem sinful man. The New Testament is how God did that. But we also know that there is room for science and not theory like evolution. Evolution is not science. Evolution is nothing more than a religion about nothing. And that's all it is. But when we get into real science and we get into real medicine, I believe God has the answer to all those things. And I believe that again, uh, the more we actually go into real science and we go into real medicine, as David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'll tell you something, when you look and see how our skin gets cut and it heals, when you realize these things, and oftentimes in this body that's under a curse, things don't work right. I'm very grateful for the medical advances that doctors have made. Your thoughts? Well, Destiny, I just wanted to say I'm so proud of you for even asking that question. I think that's a wonderful question to ask. And I would say in response to that, 
Um, how, how can you be a light in those places? You know what? You don't let um, these things come against your biblical convictions. If you want to grow in your walk with the Lord and you want to be, as Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, the salt of the earth, and you want to be the light of the world, and you want to perform your work in such a way that when people watch the way that you are a junior doctor or the way that you serve, that they'll recognize there's something different about you. There's something different about your bedside manner. There's something different about the way that you speak to your patients. There's a different, it's just something different when somebody knows that you're a Christian. So what my encouragement to you, first and foremost, would be get as close to Jesus as you can. Know what the Bible says. Know what the word of God says. Have those convictions cemented in your heart, those lines that you are unwilling to cross and those those things that you're willing to stand for. And you know, people will see a difference in you, Destiny. And um, I can tell just by hearing your question, and yeah. I just want to commend you. I wish more people would look at their field, that they would, that wherever their job is, wherever they're going to work, and they would see it as a mission field. Because listen, Destiny, you're going to have people that you come across that you're going to minister to medically that Mike and I could never have the opportunity and God's going to use you in those moments. I've never found anybody in a dire situation or in a medical situation where they refused prayer because mm. everybody realizes we need it. And so uh, I'm excited for you, Destiny. Amen. And so doctors can only do so much. The rest is in God's hands. And I think that's always a good thing to be able to tell people. And so, no, I, I'm really glad that you called in, dear, and may the Lord just give you wisdom and understanding give you a good ear to listen to people so that you can give them a good answer. Okay. Okay. Also, um, I'm sorry. Would you mind, um, uh, praying for a patient of mine? Let's pray. What's wrong? Um, my patient, um, apparently has to, is considering going into surgery soon. And it's a very risky surgery. And I'm really tempted to lean on science, but at the same time, I'm leaning on God. And I'm really, really trying to convince myself that, hey, God got me and my patient. It's a lot harder to trust God with other people than it is yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. I trust God with my life, but... With my family and my patients, it's a little harder. Well, it's because you have a heart and you care. And that's a good thing. And what I always tell people is, you know, sec seek medical opinion. Seek the doctors if they can heal you. Um, pray. And if God heals that individual, then, hey, you don't need to go through the surgery. If God doesn't heal the person, well, that's a decision. Then they'll have to make whether they need the surgery or not. But um, in the meanwhile, from the time you pray to the time that actually a doctor's hand is required, uh, that gives time for God to work. And I've seen God heal many, many people. I've seen God heal through doctors. Uh, I've he seen God heal miraculously. Um, I've seen God take people home. Uh, so it's in God's hands, really, dear. And again, people can only do so much. That's why in the medical profession, it's called a practice. You can only do so much. It's, the rest is in God's hands. And uh, well, let's pray. Father, we just pray that you would give, that you would give destiny wisdom in talking with this patient, that Lord, that you would reach your hand of healing to this patient. Father, that maybe they wouldn't have to have this risky uh, operation, but rather 
God of miracles, God of healing, would you please reach your hand out and touch this individual who needs your love and needs to be healed. And may you get the glory in Jesus' name and give destiny the right things to say and the right words in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Destiny, our prayers are with you, dear. I'm sorry. One more thing, if you have time. We do. Um, my, I, I also have a lot of friends, like, who are, like, struggling with health and bullies and stuff. And my friend Julia, her sister, um, her sister is very sick. And, you know, I try to be there for her. And I want to. But I, um, I just don't really know how. All I can say is that I'm always here for her. And well, uh, by, by the way, uh, Destiny, sometimes that's all we can do is just say, hey, I'm here. Um, we can be pushy, push our way in. That doesn't always meet well. Um, your thoughts, John? Yeah, I agree. You know, you do what you can. You want to be a friend. You want to be praying for them, pointing them to Jesus. And and that's the best thing that you can do. Because the fact is, you know, I realize I think about John the Baptist when he when the people came to him and he said, I baptize you with water, but there's somebody else who can baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. When it comes to ministering to people, destiny, I realize I'm limited in what I can do. But you know something? Jesus isn't limited. There is nothing impossible for the Lord. And so I just kind of keep that in mind and point them to the Lord. And and that's where they're going to find comfort and strength in the trials and the difficulties that they go through. And and remember this again, dear, that real science, real medicine is not uh, a hindering of your faith. In fact, if anything, they go hand in hand. And because God made everything. So um, we're here for you. Call us if you need us. Okay. Okay. All right, Destiny, we're here. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books, DVDs, the movie Jesus. I know you'll enjoy it. Let's go to Tess, Sunnyvale, California. Hi, welcome. Oh, hi. Hi. Hello? We have about a minute. How can we help? Oh, should I call back? <laughs> no, no, just tell us real quick. How can we help? Um, I actually have a comment regarding The Chosen. I watched the actual movie like probably two months ago. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, I'm not the person that reads my Bible every day, but I read through the New Testament. And there's the part there that uh, Sermon at the Mount. And I read the, I don't know the Bible very well, but I sent something wrong on the Sermon at the Mount. Um, and um, I already sensed there's something wrong with a movie. And I end up not finishing it. I fell asleep. Mm. So uh, I totally agree what you said. Um, um, it's it's most likely it's not hundred percent biblical. Well, yeah, and you know, you know, just to tell you very quickly, I, I need a hundred percent Bible. I I don't need a bunch of man's ideas. That, that's what's messed everything up anyway. John, any last thoughts? I agree. We need the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Mike. And amen. And so, again, Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
not just 10%. So, uh, Tess, thank you so much. Stay in line. We'll send you out books, DVDs, and the real movie of Jesus that you'll like based on the book of Luke. I think you'll enjoy that. De- and for the rest, Byron, Tom, Brandon, Jack, no waiting. Call us first thing tomorrow. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 